Well, hello and welcome to a special holiday episode of Muslims Want to Know. The show where I try to answer the questions you have about the Bible and Christianity. I'm your host, Reverend Eric Mason. Throughout the Advent season, we've been learning about the events leading up to the birth of Lord Jesus. Yesterday, we read through the account of Lord Jesus' birth. And today, you and I are now looking at answers to the question, What does Christmas mean to us? Now, as you are well aware, each episode of Muslims Want to Know builds on the information from the previous ones. So if you're joining us for the first time, I recommend going back and listening to previous episodes before resuming this one. Here is our recap. In our last episode, you and I looked at answers to the question, What is Christmas? Together, we learned about the story of Lord Jesus' birth. We learned that Christmas is the time in which Christians all over the world celebrate the birth of Lord Jesus. We also learned more about the first Christmas Eve, the night Lord Jesus was born. We took a look at one of the most famous songs which is sung on Christmas Eve, Silent Night. After learning about the history of the song itself, we looked at the events of that first Christmas Eve and determined that it was not silent after all. But, after all the noise of that first Christmas, Mary and Joseph were left to contemplate the gift of their son and stepson, the incarnate Son of God. In the silence of that first Christmas, they were left to contemplate all the events leading up to his birth and what it would mean for the world after. Well, today is December 25th, and that means Christians from all over the world are celebrating Christmas Day. And I thought today would be a great day to follow up our Advent series and episode, What is Christmas? by answering the question, What does Christmas mean to us? But before answering our question today, let me open our time with a brief prayer. God, open the eyes of our hearts that we may hear your words and understand and do your will, for we are sojourners upon the earth. Do not hide your commandments from us, but open our eyes that we may perceive the wonders of your law. Speak to us the hidden and secret things of your wisdom, Enlighten our minds and understanding with the light of your knowledge, not just to cherish those things written, but to seek after you by doing them. Amen. So, what does Christmas mean to us? This is now the fourth episode on Christmas I've done in the last several years, including this year. Already, I've covered a great deal of information on Christmas, as well as what Christmas means to us. But today, I thought I would do something special for us here. Every Christmas Day, there is a particular passage from the Bible which is read, shared, and expounded upon by priests and pastors alike. I thought it would be fitting for you and I to read through this Christmas Day passage in order to shine some more light on exactly what Christmas means to Christianity and to the world. After reading through the biblical passage together, 
I will then give some parting words to reflect on as we close out this year and this season of podcasts. John chapter 1, verses 1 through 18. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. All things were created through Him, and apart from Him not one thing was created that has been created. In Him was life, and that life was the light of men. That light shines in the darkness, and yet the darkness did not overcome it. There was a man sent from God, whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify about the light, so that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but he came to testify about the light. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was created through him, and yet the world did not recognize him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, he gave them the right to be children of God. To those who believe in his name, who were born, not of natural descent, or of the will of the flesh, or of the will of man, but of God. The Word became flesh and dwelt among us. We observed His glory, the glory as the one and only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. John testified concerning Him and exclaimed, This was the one of whom I said, The one coming after me ranks ahead of me, because He existed before me. Indeed, we have all received grace upon grace from his fullness. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, the one and only Son, who is himself God and is at the Father's side. He has revealed him. So what does Christmas mean to us? This is an excellent question for us to ponder on Christmas Day. The Advent season begins in late fall when the days grow shorter, darker, and colder. But Christmas begins after the winter solstice and marks a new time of the year when the days begin getting longer and brighter. Christmas is the culmination of Advent, and its message is clear. The great light has come into this world. But this light isn't just any light. It is the Word of God. That is to say, the Son of God made flesh. This light which has come into this world is God's great breakthrough of grace to all humanity. The great gift of Christmas is His Son, Jesus Christ. Lord Jesus, according to the first chapter of the Gospel of John, is the Word of God made flesh. And this is fitting, because God's self-disclosure to humanity occurs through His words. And because He is the Word of God made flesh, 
Lord Jesus is the full revelation of God to humanity. He is God's self-disclosure to the world. When the Word of God took on flesh, He did not enter this world by being born of the house of Caesar or King Herod. Likewise, when the Word of God took on flesh, He did not do so in order to become a general of the Roman army. When the Word of God took on flesh, He did not receive the praise of the nations of the world. He did none of these things. Instead, when the Word of God took on flesh, He was born to a humble and righteous family. He came into this world as a helpless infant and received praise and worship from the outcasts of society, the shepherds from the hills. I believe this, in part, is what it means when John wrote, The world was created through him, and yet the world did not recognize him. The long-awaited Messiah may have been born as a helpless infant in a stable to a humble family from a backwater town. But we must always remember that God's economy is so different than our own. He flips our expectations in order to reveal the truth behind what we see. When the Word of God took on flesh, He was born as a descendant of David. Although he received no earthly kingdom at his birth, Lord Jesus reminded those in power that his kingdom was not of this world. In the same manner, his standing army was not of this world either. At his birth, a massive army of angels sang praises of God and of the gift which had entered this world. The Son of God may have first received praise from outcasts in society, but we must remember that in God's economy, the last shall be first, and the first shall be last. God favored those shepherds, not because of their power or strength, but because of their meekness and humility. 1 Corinthians Chapter 1, verses 27 through 29. Instead, God has chosen what is foolish in the world to shame the wise, and God has chosen what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God has chosen what is insignificant and despised in the world, what is viewed as nothing, to bring to nothing what is viewed as something, so that no one may boast in his presence. It is true, the great light had come into the world, and this world would never be the same. And I once heard a priest talk about the various followers of Roman and Greek gods, and he asked a great rhetorical question during his discussion. He asked, Today, where are the followers of Zeus or Hercules? And that is a great question, especially when we ask that same question about the followers of Lord Jesus. The answer is there are no followers of Zeus or Hercules. But the family of God, which consists of everyone who believes in the fullness of Lord Jesus, span the entire world.
the pre-incarnate Word of God, who is the Son of God, has eternally existed with God the Father and God the Holy Spirit. Before time and creation, the triune God existed in perfect community and communion between the three persons of the Trinity. When the triune God created us and everything that exists, it was done both with the knowledge of our fall from grace and God's willingness to be the agent who would extend relentless grace to us through the sending of His Son. The pre-incarnate Word of God, who is the Son of God, took on flesh and lived a life He knew would end on the cross at Calvary. You see, my friend, Christmas Day is as much a celebration about the manger as it is the cross. It is a day of remembrance and a day of anticipation as we await Lord Jesus' second Advent to come. Advent and Christmas is a lesson of the love of God. It is a lesson that teaches us just how far God would go to redeem and glorify humanity. Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 through 11. Adopt the same attitude as that of Christ Jesus, who, existing in the form of God, did not consider equality with God as something to be exploited. Instead, he emptied himself by assuming the form of a servant, taking on the likeness of humanity. And when he had come as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even to death on a cross. For this reason, God highly exalted him and gave him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee will bow, in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. Well, once again, thank you so much for joining me. I hope and pray that as you continue to seek God, you ask for visions and clarity on all these Christian claims. And if you'd like some good resources on the material I covered today, I recommend taking a look at the CSB Study Bible, which, of course, is the Bible translation I use. And that sound means it's about time to wrap up. Before we close our time together, I want to remind you to hit that subscribe button and leave a review. The more reviews the podcast receives, the more it comes up as a recommendation for others. And the more it comes up as a recommendation, the more other folks get a chance to hear answers to their thoughtful questions. And if you'd like to submit your own questions, or if you'd like to support the continuing work of Muslims Want to Know, please visit us today at www.muslimswanttoknow.com. Well, from my home recording studio in the Little India neighborhood in Chicago, Illinois, to wherever you're listening, I want to say thank you so much for continuing our conversation. Thank you, God bless, and Merry Christmas. <laughs>